Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 227. Going to have two more here podcasts before the NFL draft and then things get to shape up when we get to have our rookie drafts, which will be pretty fun. I'll say from the start, uh, thanks for a week off last week. Did not record last week. Because it's Easter week and had many, many things happening over the weekend, which is when I normally do a good bit of my work for the podcast and for the website. But that being said, one thing I did do last week, because I was able to take Monday off, or part of Monday off, rather, was I updated all of my uh, pre-NFL draft rookie rankings. And so one of the things that I like to do after doing so, like I did this weekend, was I looked at Dynasty League Footballs, or what you call DLFs, rookie rankings, to compare them with my own rankings. I haven't looked at theirs in several weeks, if not like a month or more. And so once I settled on what my pre-draft rankings were, I like to look at theirs. I do this really just to kind of see which players I'm higher or lower on, so I can kind of see what I think compared to what they think. And the process helps me determine both what I call my guys, which we'll talk about this week, and helps me to discover my avoid guys, which I'll talk about in next week's podcast. So this one's going to be the My Guys podcast, meaning guys that I'm higher on than they are at DLF, the guys that I think are likely going to end up being the guys that I draft a lot because I'm higher on them than most people are. Uh, more than ever, though, it needs to be said before we you know, record this. We're recording here two weeks before the NFL draft. More than ever, draft capital is going to change a lot with this year's class. So I will definitely shuffle my rankings around quite a bit after the NFL draft. But that being said, you know, over the last month, I've listened to a lot of scouts, I've monitored a lot of mock drafts, and I feel pretty comfortable with where I think people will be drafted. But that said, you could be wrong. But what I'm going to do now, given that the draft hasn't happened yet, but pretty comfortable with where I think guys are going to get drafted, I'm going to talk about the players that are my guys, guys that I have listed ahead of where the DLF guys have folks listed. Uh, I'm going to go with players that are six spots higher. And my rankings compared to theirs, so that means it's going to be about a half a round better, you know, that I think these guys are better than what they will think. Because if they're about a half round better, odds are that depending on where I am in the draft, I'm going to get a lot of these guys on my draft because people are not going to necessarily go off of my draft. I know that well enough to know that people aren't going to use my rankings when they're making the draft picks. Hopefully a, some, a couple of you Dynasty freaks will take my thoughts into consideration. But when you go to someone like DLF, that's really a consensus ranking of multiple experts kind of putting their rankings in. A lot of people are going to look at their rankings compared to mine. And then when they were doing them and compared to mine, these are the players that I think I'm going to get quite a bit more of because I have them at least a half a round higher ranked than the good pros at Dynasty League Football. So let's talk about 10 guys. 10 guys that I have ranked higher, six spots at least higher than the guys at DLF. First is Michael Mayer. Uh, DLF has him ranked number 16. I have him ranked number 10. So Mayer didn't, you know, didn't test too well, as many of the other tight ends in the class tested great at the combine. He didn't test as well, but that's not affected my view of Mayer at all. Uh, he was a second-ranked tight end in the recruiting, and you know, in recruiting in the whole country before he signed with Notre Dame, and he just performed like it from day one. 
From day one, he had 450 yards. Next year, 840 yards. Next year, 809 yards. And then uh, with uh, touchdowns, two, seven, and nine in his three seasons over those three years, I just think that he's a can't-miss pro- uh, prospect. Uh, he's proven it in college, and he's going to do the same in the NFL. He can do everything that a tight end's asked to do in the NFL, and so he's going to be a three-down starter right away, right from the jump in the NFL. And no matter which team drafts him, I'm confident that Maher is going to be uh, the be uh, drafted in the first round right away and start automatically for uh, whichever team he's drafted for. So that's going to be pretty exciting. I'm not afraid of Maher at all to draft him in the first round at number 10, even though DLF has him ranked at 16. Next guy, is, now we start to get a little more controversial, but my next guy is Sean Tucker. DLF has him ranked number 23. I have him ranked 14th, so pretty big difference there. Nine-spot difference. Uh, the second tier of the running back class, as I've talked about already in these podcasts, is very muddy, and there's going to be no consensus when it comes to analysts you know, ranking these players. It's going to be pretty pretty divergent after you get past the first two, or we'll talk about this uh, later, but the third pick probably uh, running back as well. Still, I have Tucker as the top of the second tier. I've had it that way since I posted my very, very first rookie rankings in February. So he stayed atop of it, the second tier for me. Uh, His highlights on tape just won me over uh, from the first time that I watched them. He's my favorite kind of running back, you know, 5'10", 210 pound frame, excellent vision, shiftiness between the tackles. Uh, He's a tough runner with breakaway speed, and he got more involved in the passing game every single year as he progressed throughout his college career. He does have one knock against him that he tends to carry the ball outside too often, trying to hit the corner a little bit too often. But I've also seen him do some great work between the tackles. And so some of the scouts that say he just always tries to bounce outside, I'm not sure because I've seen him do a lot more inside as well that I like, which is one of my favorite things with running backs. I think if Tucker's drafted on day two, um, I'm going to keep him in my rankings right here as an early second round pick, obviously the earliest since I haven't ranked 14th, one of the earliest picks in the second round. If there are running backs that get drafted ahead of him, you know, and he fall, or if he falls to day three, um, I'm going to consider moving him back a little bit. But I don't think I'm ever going to move him back out of the out of the second round. And DLF is really close right now to having him ranked outside of the second round already with 23rd. I just think Tucker's too good. I've got him ranked number 14 right now, and no matter where he gets picked, he's still going to be a second round pick for me. Next is Dalton Kincaid. Uh, DLF has him ranked 20th, but I have him ranked 13th, so seven point difference there, seven seven spot difference. The big factor in this is Daniel Jeremiah. He's contributed to the most to my willingness to see Kincaid as an early second round pick in rookie drafts, like I have him here at number 13. He's consistently mocked, um, Daniel Jeremiah that is, has consistently mocked Kincaid as a first round uh, draft pick in the mock drafts. He's often picked Kincaid to be drafted ahead of Mayer, which is pretty wild. Uh, Kincaid has not proven as much and he's not as polished in all aspects of the tight end position but I think he can be a very effective weapon in the passing game specifically. And for that reason, you know, if he gets drafted to a team that knows how to use him that way, he's going to be very valuable. He had eight touchdowns each of his, each of his last two seasons for Oregon State. He's averaged 13.2 yards per catch, so he is a downfield target, downfield weapon that's going to get drafted in the first round of the NFL, it looks like. And if he is drafted by a team that I'm really confident can use him as a crucial part of their passing game, I'm going to keep him here, right here as a very early second-round pick at number 13. But if he's a, a second-round pick or if he gets drafted by a team that I'm less, less confident in, you know, their offensive system perhaps, then I think I'll move him just a little bit further back, but he's still going to be a second-round draft pick for me, which is right about where the DLF guys have him ranked right now at 20th. Right now, I'm willing to take him earlier, assuming he's going to get drafted earlier and buy a team that's drafting him to use him for what he can do.
Next player is Israel Abanakanda. DLF has him ranked number 24, but I have him ranked number 15, so a nine-spot difference there. So next to Sean Tucker, uh, Abanakanda was my next favorite second-tier running back to watch on tape, as his junior season was one of the most outrageous in the class. Abanakanda amassed 1,577 yards and 21 touchdowns in his last year at Pittsburgh, including a six-touchdown game against Virginia Tech. Uh, he's got excellent vision and breakaway speed. He runs uh, a little bit upright, uh, but he still breaks tackles often enough. Um, he is way less involved in the passing game than I would like to see, and I've also heard from scouts that he struggles in passing protection. So that said, you know, he strikes me as a guy that could be like a good good teammate. Uh, he's a guy who will put in the work and I think do what he needs to do to get better. And I constantly saw on his highlight tape that there are teammates that consistently rallying around, around him during games and during drive. He's a competitor, and I hope that he's a day-two draft pick who can share the workload with a veteran back as he improves. If he's a day three pick, I, you know, I'm going to move him back to the early third round in rookie drafts, but I'd really like to, to draft him in the middle of the second round if he's a day two pick, which I still think is a good chance for him. Next player is Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, DLF has him ranked number 45, but I have him ranked number 22. That's crazy, a 23 spot difference. I'm way higher on Hutchinson than the pros at DLF are. Yeah, and the discrepancy makes me want to reconsider my position, you know, after the draft for sure. But let me just tell you, here's why I have Hutchinson ranked, you know, as high as I do. First of all is that there's not many receivers in this draft that have his size. He's 6'2", 203 pounds. Uh, so I think that some NFL teams are just going to target some of the bigger pass catchers for their teams, just for their team needs. Hutchinson's likely to get drafted early on day three as a result. He's transferred to Iowa State from Blinn College, but he's proved himself right away, improving every season with 64, then 84, then 107 catches for 7,771 yards, 987 yards, and then 1,171 yards in his three years there. Uh, his low touchdown totals of 4, 5, and 6 are, are the only knock on his production profile, in my opinion. Uh, finally, I actually saw him with my own eyes this season when he tore up my Texas Longhorns, even though we won the game. It was a very competitive game, and every... every uh, throw even though we know every throw and every pass was coming his way we could not cover him i left the game thinking this is a guy that's going to be on some of my dynasty teams someday if i'm wrong and he's drafted you know not drafted early in day three i'm definitely going to move him back quite a bit uh, but never as far back as 47 where dlf has him ranked right now i'm never going to move him back that far so he's already a player that i could move back and adjust a little bit um, but not as far back as, uh, as 45. I think I said 47. as 45 as they have him. Um, I love Hutchinson and think you know that he's going to be the type of guy that can uh, really do something on one of the teams. Next one was a little surprising to me. Uh, Keishon Butte. I was not uh, high on Butte uh, at, at all. And everyone that's in the, in the industry here has moved him down their rankings after his very unproductive college career at the end of his career. And there's very poor performance at both the Combine and even his pro day. His character and work ethic are rightly being questioned right now, and he deserves to get moved from a first-round pick to a third-round pick, which is what he's done. Like when people first started coming out their rankings, even myself had him as a first-round pick, and he's moved all the way back to a third-round third round pick right now. And I think that's fair based on how poor he did in his performance at the Combine and his pro day, and just based on a lot of speculation now around him. That said, um, you know, when he's a player that was once thought to be the top guy in Debbie leagues, and he did have one breakout career as he did in his first year at LSU, and he was, you know, not a huge breakout, but a breakout enough to move him up the Debbie rankings, 
I like to keep things like that in mind. Um, it's one thing to take, take a guy that was like a high recruit, like he was the second ranked receiver in the nation in his recruiting class. Um, it's one thing to take a guy like that and, and just keep holding him on a pedestal when he's done nothing. But when he's a second ranked recruit and he had at least one really solid year of starting to prove himself and was thought by Devi people even after that year to be the number one receiver, I think I got to keep that in mind. And so I moved him back quite a bit. Thought that I moved him back, you know, respectively by moving him back to 25th, making him a third round pick. But DLF's moved him all the way back to 31st. So he's going to be definitely a player that the managers are just going to have to take a chance on and, you know, plug their nose and pick him and see what happens. Or we'll see he's going to fall even more. A couple more guys that I have ranked higher than the guys at DLF. Charlie Jones. Uh, DLF has made has ranked him number 47, but I've ranked him number 27. So pretty big 20 or 20 spot gap there. Again, there's a two round gap between my rankings and Jones, just as there was a big gap between my rankings of Hutchinson. I think if Jones's draft capital is worse than I expect, I'm definitely going to move him down quite a bit. But I don't think I'll ever drop, ever drop him as low as DLF has him ranked right now at 45, 47. I don't think I'll ever drop him that low. I think it's true that Jones benefited from a very terrific offensive system at Purdue in this last year that you know got him way more involved in the offense than people would have expected. Uh, maybe some things were just kind of schemed up for him that made him look better than he was. Uh, he did transfer there just for his final season, so that's another knock on him. He's bounced around from many different teams, and uh, still, he led the he led the you know nation with receptions with 110 and had 1361 yards and 12 touchdowns in his senior year. And not just anyone can do that. I don't care what kind of offensive system you're in. You can't do that. That's incredible. It's super high praise, and it's not compare, you know, fair to compare. But I got kind of like a Cooper Cup kind of vibe, or maybe a Julian Edelman kind of vibe when watching Jones' highlights. I think that he's a player that I'm going to be glad to take a chance on before other dynasty managers will, even if I'm you know, reaching for him in the late third round instead of the fourth, which is where they have him placed right now at the end of the fourth. I've got him still, you know just barely at the top of the third. If I have to reach later in the third, I think no matter what, he's still going to be a third-round guy for me. Next guy is A.T. Perry. Uh, DLF has him ranked number 40. I have him ranked 28, so a 12-spot different there, basically one entire round difference. Uh, Perry's another player like Hutchinson who was older, um, but had two very, very productive seasons in his college career. Only Perry, you know, uh, was a touchdown scoring monster compared to Hutchinson, like I said. Perry, on the other hand, scored 15 and 11 touchdowns in his final two season. He's also, like I already mentioned, one of the bigger receivers in the class, 6'4", 198. I think that his size, which contributes to his effectiveness in the red zone, is going to get him drafted higher than most people expect. I predict that he's going to get drafted on day three. If so, he's going to remain right here, like I have in 28, so an early third, third round pick. If not, I could definitely move him, you know, about where the dynasty, you know, the, the DLF pros have him. Ranked right now at 40th. If he does get kind of later draft capital, I'll probably move him back to about 40th. But right now, I suspect he's going to be an early third-day pick and then would be sticking with me right here at 28th instead of 40th. Next one's a little bit different. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim. Um, DLF has him ranked 48th. So the very, very end of the fourth round, I have him ranked 30th in the middle of the second or the third round. This one, I'm going to admit, I think I need to move Ibrahim down because uh, since where I had him ranked uh, when doing this exercise, I do this exercise in part to kind of challenge my assumptions. And I'm going to explain why I liked him, even though now that I've thought about it after doing this comparison, I think I do need to move him down. My primary reason for liking him uh, more than others was his college production. 
He played five years, broke out as a freshman, so he's got the early breakout. He overcame an Achilles injury and, and then had surgery, but he's still on his senior super senior year, came back and had 320 carries in his senior super senior season. It's crazy. Still, his uh, injury history, older age, and his 867 carries, I think are going to cause NFL teams to be more cautious on drafting him, and he's likely going to fall off the board of many NFL teams automatically because of that Achilles injury. I really haven't factored those things in as I ought, so I do think I do need to move him down quite a bit. I think he's going to get drafted far later than I wish he would, uh, so I need to factor that in a little bit more and move him down my rankings, but I doubt that I'm ever going to move him down to 48th where they have him ranked right now no matter where he gets drafted or what his draft capital is. He's still a guy that I'd like to take a stab at in the uh, maybe mid to late fourth rounds of rookie drafts, something like that. Now the final guy, uh, number 10 here, that I have ranked higher than DLF is Parker Washington. Uh, DLF has him ranked 57th, and I have him ranked 32nd. So I was actually pretty shocked to see that DLF had Washington 25 spots lower than I do. I thought I had a pretty modest you know, ranking for Washington, but they think he's barely draftable when I would actually be willing to draft him in the third round, which is pretty crazy. His college of production, admittedly, one of the things I like the most is production, but his was very average. But there's something about just when I watched his highlight tape that I just liked what I saw. And I think that he's better, you know, than his stats indicate. Uh, plus, he plays for a program at Penn State that's produced a lot of NFL starting wide receivers the last 10 years, especially. I know that's anecdotal, but it does make a difference to NFL teams and their willingness to draft players from programs that they trust. And then I want to do in kind as a dynasty manager, be willing to draft those players as well, because their draft capital is going to be a little bit higher, I think, than people think. It's possible that if he's drafted lower than I thought that I'll move him down a bit. But again, the same thing here. I don't think I'll ever move him down to 57th where they have him right now. Um, so those are my guys there, uh, guys that I am higher on. You might call them my guys in this draft class before the draft takes place. Things will shuffle a bit for sure when the draft is over, but wanted to at least get you guys a couple of the guys that I think I'm going to be reaching for or drafting ahead of where other Dynasty managers and the pros at Dynasty League Football have. So all right, that's a wrap for this week. My freaky friends, thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so would love it if you'd contact me that way. I'd be honored if you would take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. The draft is coming, so you need to go out there. And get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.